Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska by Pastor Tim Barone. the last year of college and uh, three young men decided to go on a last minute trip to go camping one last time before they would move and be uh, apart. And so we decided uh, to, to go for some winter camping all the way up into South Dakota in the Badlands to take our chances out on the rocks and have an adventure. And so we set off and as would have it as we're driving through uh, Nebraska, um, a blizzard came <laughs> up. And the blizzard was, as we were going north, it was coming from east to west, actually, and uh, creating quite a mess. And I remember driving north further and further and feeling a little nauseous because um, the Hyundai Elantra that we were driving in <laughs> Uh, started to have a hard time with all the snow drifts that were piling up across the highway that we were driving on, and it felt like we were going over waves in the ocean. But undeterred, we kept going. We figured we'd be just fine, and worst case scenario is we would just snuggle in the, in the car in our sleeping bags. But finally, uh, we decided to turn around when coming out of the metropolis of Thedford, Nebraska, we, uh, on our way to Valentine, we saw uh, semi-trucks flashing their lights on us to turn, turn around as they were heading south. And so we turned around and headed back to Thedford, and while we were trying to turn around, we uh, got the front of our car stuck into a snowbank, and not knowing it at the time, the, uh, the snow had pushed the body of the car uh, into one of the, the, um, the serpentine belt and actually cut the serpentine belt. And we didn't know it at the time, but it ruined the engine because it broke the, uh, the valves. And so there we were in the middle of a blizzard with no car <laughs> heading back uh, into a small town. And I just remember realizing all of a sudden that we were not in a good situation and looking around in the town of Thedford, there was no lights on in the whole town because everyone was home <laughs> and we didn't know what we were going to do. Finally, we found um, a church and its lights were on and its doors were open. And we opened the, the doors to the church and stepped inside and thankfully it was warm and calm and dry and it smelled like church pews, it smelled like home. And all of a sudden, we, we recognize this contrast of being outside in the storm, um, in trouble, in danger, to being inside, totally safe, secure, comfortable, uh, not worried about our future. And this contrast of being inside and outside is something that we can see today as well in the psalm that we read. 
Psalm 46, God is our fortress. I'd really encourage you to open up the Bible uh, to Psalm 46 as we'll be walking through it. Uh, But this is what the psalmist says to us today. He says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. That term, very present, it really has the connotation of tried and true. Uh, It's like the, the, the truck that always starts, right? Or the friend who always picks up the phone when you need something. Uh, It's we've been here before and we know that God comes through. And this is the way that the the ancient people of God would remind themselves and encourage themselves to stay faithful to God. They're the one who'd rescued them. They would remember, remember all the times he has come through for you already. Remember all the times he has reacted to you when you've called out for mercy. Remember his mighty deeds when he took the people of God, out of Egypt and how he bore his mighty arm. Remember his steadfast love, his mercy, his willingness to forgive our sins. And so we remind this. He tells us God is our refuge and our strength. He will never let us down. He's tried and true. He's our help in trouble. And so even if uh, a virus comes upon the earth... Uh, and changes our way of life, and threatens our economy, threatens our job, even if that happens, even if those that we know die from this virus, and those who are vulnerable are fearful of this virus, and it cuts us off from the ones that we love, even if that happens, it says, therefore, we will not fear. Even if those things that we have learned to count on all of our lives are taken away from us. Even if our father dies or our mother dies, that person that has been responsible for our lives and our safety all of our lives, even if that happens, we will not fear. Even if our businesses are closed and we lose our job, even if we fall into deep depression and we can no longer count on our energy, Even if we lose the battle against temptation, we fall into moral bankruptcy and we can no longer trust in our morality or the strength of our will. Even if our marriage falls apart and we lose our spouse and that person we've counted on all of our lives, even if that is taken away from us, even if the mountains are thrown into the middle of the sea and those things that we think are stable are taken out from under our feet. Even if that is the case, even if the earth gives way, we will not be afraid. Therefore, we will not fear, he says, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Our God is our refuge and our strength. And we are inside of his refuge. Notice the contrast in verse 4 between the sea that is uncontrollable and chaotic and then in verse 4 there's a river. A sea pushes you around, pushes you down, threatens your life. But a river is a place you would settle. A river is a place where cities 
spring up. A river is a place where there is life. And so there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. We believe that our God has come down to be with us. Uh, It's like the difference between knowing that God loves you and the difference between a child knowing how to run to their father when they're afraid. One is head knowledge, but one is experience. And we believe that Jesus, our God, has come down to be with us, that he is not far away, that it's not a figment of our imagination or something that we have to stir up in our hearts, but rather the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. We have seen the, the son of the living God who has come to be with us, and the reason we are secure in our city is because he is in the midst of our city, because he has drawn near to us, because he has come close. Our faith is not simply a, a wish in our heart or a holy hunch that we think everything's going to work out. Uh, our faith, rather, is trust in the one who has come down to work things out. Trust in the presence of Jesus in his face, in his flesh, in his hands, in his mind, how he came to do mercy to us through the cross. And because he has come to be near us, we can dwell in peace. The river of God flows through the city of God, bringing life and mercy and peace to us and safety to us. And so, even though on the outside, if we look at verse 6, even if the nations rage, even if the kingdoms totter, even if any of these things happen, he utters his mouth or his voice, and the earth melts. The one who is with us, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. When we look at this verse, verse 6, where it says that when he speaks, the whole earth melts, it reminds us of the time that Jesus came down in Luke chapter 8, when he was in the boat with his disciples. And the, the sea started coming up around them. The wind started howling around them, and they were afraid. And what was Jesus doing? He was sleeping. You see, God is not knocked off a of balance like you are and like I am. When, he, when things that are scary in this world happen, when the nations rage, right? when we don't see the future of our country, when we're not sure where it's all going, when we're afraid of war or conspiracy, when all of these things cause us fear, is God afraid of these things? Jesus is sleeping in the boat. He is not afraid. And when he gets up, he rebukes the wind and the waves and they do what he says. And the disciples transfer their fear. Where they were afraid of the wind and the waves, they were afraid of losing their life, they then transfer their fear to the one who's in control of those things. They transfer their fear to Jesus. They say, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? 
And so when we are afraid, when we see forces that are bigger than us, when we see things that we can't control, is our gut instinct to turn to Jesus and be more afraid of him than we are of these things. The scriptures tell us that when God clears his throat and utters his voice, the whole earth could melt. So what should be our true fear? And if our true fear is of the living God and he has pledged himself to us in Jesus and in the cross and in his words of promise, do we have to be so afraid of the political environment? Do we have to be so afraid of what the future holds? No. The Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our fortress. It goes on. Verse 8, it says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. You know, every politician has generally said, we're going to work for peace. And when people ask what they want for the world, they say, we want, we want peace. We want a lack of war. And it seems like there's wars all the time throughout this world. There's wars uh, in different parts of the world. Our country gets pulled into wars. We've been in world wars. And the question is, well, why do we keep having these wars again and again, bloodshed and violence in the earth? Why can't we just evolve past it and get over it? The truth is that these wars come from our nature, And so the solution will never come from us, but the solution does come through Jesus. When Jesus returns to this world, he will throw the tanks into the fire. He will ground the planes, and the bombs will drop no more. There will be no more bloodshed in the earth, because he will shatter the spear. He will shatter the bow. He will burn the instruments of war. And so as we contemplate what should we truly be afraid of, should we be shaking in our boots because of future wars? Should we be afraid of these things? God answers us today. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. God says to you today, chill out, relax, don't let the waves of anxiety crash over you, don't be so afraid, I'm in control, we, you know where the future is going, God will be exalted in the end, the God who rules and reigns for you today will stand on the earth and be exalted in the end. And so we should not be afraid. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You know, when it says the Lord of hosts, uh, we've kind of lost sense of what that means exactly, but the Lord of hosts means the Lord of armies. And so this is recalling uh, for the Old Testament people the times that God intervened through his angelic armies. It's 
reminding them that God controls sovereign authorities. God controls mighty spiritual armies, and they're at his disposal. And we see in the Old Testament the times that he sends his angels to do his bidding and changes the game. Here it says the Lord of hosts is with us. And one of the things it can remind us of is when Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane. And you remember that the forces of this earth, the forces that were allied against him, were coming to arrest him. And when they came, sensing the danger, Peter drew his sword and cut off the ear of one of the high priest's servants. And Jesus says to Peter, do you not know that I could call upon my father and he would send down 12 legions of angels to defend me. Jesus says, we have the firepower, we have the armies, but he does not use it. It's that he allows himself to be killed. He allows himself to be scourged. He allows himself to be crucified. He allowed himself to be killed Outside of the city, Hebrews tells us, outside the city gates, in the turmoil, in the chaos, in the fearful place. Why? So that you could be in the fortress. So that you could be in the place of security. Jesus died the death that we ought to die. He died the death that we deserve to die. He went out into the dangerous place so that we could be brought into the security of his citadel, his fortress. That fortress is what he created in the wounds of his hands, in the wounds of his feet, in the wounds of his side. He built for you a place where you could truly be safe, where you could be redeemed, saved, and resurrected. Uh, it was Christmas Eve, and uh, since I was the vicar, I was sent out on the call. Because when you have a vicar, you send him out on Christmas Eve. But I was sent to a hospital bed, and it had been kind of a strange call for help. Uh, there was a woman who had called the church, and she, um, she had not been a part of the church for many, many years um, but she, when she was asked by the chaplain at the hospital if she had anyone to call, she did mention our church. And so I was sent in. And, and I didn't know what I was getting into, and neither did my, um, my pastor supervisor. We thought it was just someone who had become very ill. Uh, but as I went into the room, I quickly noticed that this was not a simple case of someone being very ill, but rather it was a deathbed I was called to. And the woman who was on the bed was in hysterics. She was afraid. Um, and she was almost at the place where they were going to sedate her to calm her down. Her son and her daughter were in the room and they were frantically trying to calm her down as well. And they were saying, God, uh, you, you're okay. You, you were a good person. You're going to do okay. right? God is going to accept you. And she wasn't buying it. <laughs> She didn't believe any of it, and she was not calming down. And her son and her daughter uh, fruitlessly 
tried to calm her down by telling her that she had been a good person. They kept telling her to take refuge in her moral status, take refuge in her moral ability, her track record. But it wasn't working. And so I'm, I'm not sure why I got the idea, but not knowing what to do, I asked to talk to her alone. And her son and her daughter left the room, and I was able to talk to her, and I told her the gospel, the eternal gospel proclaimed into all creation, that if it was up to you, or if it was up to me, no one would make it. If it was up to the works of our hands, no one would be made right before God. As Romans 3 tells us, no one will be justified by works of the law, but rather they are justified as a gift through Jesus Christ. You cannot earn a gift. It's given into your hands for free. And as she heard this word of the gospel, it was like she heard a song that she knew when she was a child. And she woke up, she understood, and her fear went away. I was able to share with her the body and blood of Christ that forgives all of her sins and is the one place where we are safe and have refuge. And she went from a woman in hysterics uh, to a kind and gentle grandmother type. She began to talk to me as if I was her grandson and encourage me, tell me um, things that were kind. What had happened? She had transferred. She had stepped back inside the fortress. She realized the fortress she was counting on was not going to work, but the fortress of Jesus would. When you are in that position, when you are in the last day or hours of your life, what fortress will you be looking for? Will you be getting out your checkbook trying to write a check? Will you be counting all of the righteous things you have done? Will you be looking to the proof of your family and how they have turned out? Where will you turn? Will you be hoping that the doctors will find some way to save you? No. You have the Holy Spirit within you. You will be looking to the wounds of Christ. You will be looking to the gift of the gospel. And that's where you will take refuge. Because the God of Jacob is your fortress. He is a mighty fortress. The God of hosts is on your side. He's in the midst of you. You will not be shaken. He will help you when the sun rises. And so if it is the case that on the last day of your life, you will be clinging to the fortress of Jesus when you are afraid. Can it not be as well today? That as you encounter anxiety and fear today, should it not also be that you would run to your Savior today to take refuge in the rivers of baptism, to take refuge in the body and blood 
to take refuge in the eternal and unchanging promise of God through Jesus Christ. May it be so that you flee to him and nowhere else, that you don't seek out inferior fortresses, but you find the only fortress that will last, and that is the wounds of Christ, his resurrection, and his promises for you and for all people. In the name of Jesus, amen.